Hello and welcome back to QC Uncut, your local podcast for uncut, uncensored, untamed, unchained commentary and discussion and conversation with area creators and newsmakers. I'm Sean Leary, your host. Thank you once again for making QC Uncut the number one rated podcast in the Quad Cities in terms of traffic. We greatly appreciate that and hope that we continue to give you engaging and enticing conversation. And I think we'll have that today because we've got a couple really interesting guys here as my guests. Justin Markson and Tristan Tapscott, two local creators who have really done a ton of stuff in the area. Um, Two innovators in both film and theater in the area. I know you're laughing. You're like, (coughs) it is. It's true. I mean, you know, you you guys have been innovators in the area. You've done a lot of stuff here for close to two decades now in the theater and film community and um, a lot of the stuff is you know we're at the van I've worked with both of you guys and we're at the vanguard of you know a lot of the things that have been going on in the area and you guys continue to do interesting projects and that's what we're going to talk to you guys about today is what you're up to in regard to theater and film. And um, <clears throat> you're also going to be uh, joining us here on quadcities.com in regard to our video section of the site and going to be contributors to um, the um, programming selection on quadcities.com. So we'll talk a little bit about that, too. Um, why don't you guys say hi to our audience and kind of introduce yourselves and tell everybody about the people behind the masks of Justin Markson and Tristan Tabscott. Oh, sure. <laughs> uh, I'll go with Tristan first. <laughs> Thank you. Go ahead. Uh, I am Tristan Tapscott, a legend in the Quad Cities for all of the all of the uh, the bad reasons, I'm sure. Reasons infamous and famous. Yeah, yes, infamous mostly. Uh, yeah, I've been doing stuff in the Quad Cities for, you said, almost two decades, and that's absolutely true, and mm-hmm. that's a little bit scary when I thought about the time there. Um, but yeah, the latest stuff we've been doing is uh, short films under the uh, moniker of Mockingbird 505. Uh, and then Justin, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh my. Um, so yeah, I've uh, been an actor you know, for as long, is it two decades? Oh my God. Is, yeah. That is late, crazy. Late 90s. I know, it's hard to think that the late 90s was two decades ago, but but yes, it was. Um, I just always love movies, always love acting, and uh, when I made a couple independent films with Tristan, and that's how we met, and uh, we've recently started uh, acting in a bunch of shorts that he would write or I would write right and um yeah that's where we're at now um i don't know what else to say well when you guys first started working together you did a lot of work with blue box who are now out in hollywood and scott and brian um have made you know i think all of us saw the talent that was there and was inherent and all of us you know worked together with those guys um how do you feel about where they've gone from here, and what, what do you remember from first working with them and first starting off in you know respective uh, filmmaking projects? Well, they're they're I mean above all they're they're super cool dudes, but they're right. also a huge inspiration, and they make it possible that two Midwest guys can really go out and do something in this in this field, and they're going to kind of break open the the door for the rest of us really. Because it's no longer going to be, oh, you grew up in Davenport or Quad Cities. You're not going to go anywhere with this business. No, they make it absolutely possible. So beyond their, I mean, their amazing talent, I think they're going to be a nice um, foundation for the future of Quad City-based filmmaking. Yeah. And yeah, like Tristan said, I mean, above all, they're just great guys um, and uh, great, talented filmmakers. And that's for a lot of reasons. One, it's just they're gifted and right. they have great taste in movies. They always have, yeah, you yeah. know, and I think that's why we all got along so well is whenever they would give us a script and tell us what part we were going to play we were like oh man this is a lot like this movie or that movie and they're like well yeah that's what we're going for so we would all love just talking movies and that's why we work together so well and so yeah i mean it's it's i can't tell you how great it is that they made it and they're doing great stuff and yeah i don't know it's i think about it a lot lately and it's like you look on i go on imdb news and i remember when they sold the script to paramount that was number one on the news and it's like oh my god there's their name so it's just it's really cool and it says a lot about um 
show business in general, if you're really awesome to work with and you're just a good human being, uh-huh. you'll get pretty far. Right. And like those two, like are. I mean, they're such great individuals, right. and they couldn't be more different too as filmmakers. Oh, so it's yeah. really neat to see, yeah. and it's it's like there's like a little bit of like pride in knowing that you were there when that all yeah. kind of started, yeah. you know, and working with them years ago. You've worked with them since, you know, I haven't worked with them for like 15 years, but you've worked with them since then. But it's, it's funny you mention that because yeah, they, they there was a time where Brian would direct one and Scott would direct mm-hmm. one, but of course they were there working together, and when they finally started working together you know like the coen brothers do mm-hmm. it's just so smooth and so easy right. and so yeah I, um you're definitely going to see a lot more of them that's for sure so and that's yeah. kind of how we justin and i started working together too was we kind of took that template a little bit and it used to be that i'd do something of his and he'd do something of mine and then we kind of joined forces with joe mckinney yeah. and we're kind of just collaborator you know yeah. we're collaborators on every project that we do so there's not just one person's doing one thing and it's just kind of we come together and create something um it's really yeah it's really kind of awesome yeah now how did you guys first i mean obviously as you know you started off talking about the fact that you're both in blue box productions you work together on other things in theater community and stuff like that and of course you both played chickenzilla in uh dingo movies so you share that connective tissue as well through you know the almighty and infamous foul um but how did you guys start this current project i mean was it a case of like you know you're both kind of looking for something to do you're looking for you know hey you know we haven't done any short film in a while and stuff like that and what was kind of the overarching idea going in or was there it was just was it just you know hey we want to collaborate on some stuff and then this kind of happened organically or was there an idea hey we want to do this kind of work you know for the last i don't know i guess it would be 15 16 years at least once a year we would get together and just work on something that one of us had come up with whether it was um a few of his films that he had done with his company or with even when you and i were working together sean um and then it it just kind of evolved last summer we kind of were like we should just kind of keep doing this so we were doing about one a month um for the last year and kind of what we wanted to do was create a canon of stuff that we had available to then send out to festivals Mm -hmm. and um we were kind of concentrating more on making the quality um great and less time marketing what we were doing so we're just now kind of telling everybody what we've been up to (laughs) rather than uh constantly being like hey we're doing this we're doing this we've been we wanted to get enough quality material together to eventually then have something to show people and um that's kind of how this all started about a year ago yeah um we've always um i mean there's so many great actors and filmmakers we look up to and um there's you know stallone when he did rocky and Mm -hmm. matt damon and ben affleck when they did uh goodwill hunting where there wasn't a lot of work they weren't getting a lot of sure, work yeah, and at, exactly so i think that's kind of what we would do we were like well we, we want to play this type of character and you know tristan would be great in this part and our friend kurt would be great in this part so let's write something and do it you know it's all that love of acting and filmmaking and so and yeah tristan's right i think we were kind of focused on let's do a bunch of stuff and now we were like well man we what do we do with it? And then, you know, this idea came up that you were talking about. And uh, so, yeah, it's first and foremost, you want people to enjoy it and God willing, get something out of it. Mm -hmm. So hopefully that's, you know, what happens. So we'll see. So describe um, some of the first films you did and some of the ideas behind them. And what are some of the things you guys really wanted to kind of, you know, play with or get across in regard to these, these pictures? Wants to go first. Uh, I remember when we were when we were younger, because uh, we're old men now. Um, you know, whenever as a young actor, you kind of look at your heroes and what kind of roles they're doing, and be like, I really want to do a role like that. I remember early on with even Blue Box, we did a Remembering November. It had a very Vanilla Sky vibe, yes. and I was obsessed with that movie, and I'm still obsessed with Tom Cruise unapologetically. Yes. And um, I really wanted to play a part like that. Uh-huh. And when that came across my desk i was like oh my god this is my chance to do that so that happens every now and then where i'm like 
Justin, I just saw the movie Gold with Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> the character he plays is great. I kind of want to do something uh, similar. So then we'll just put it together. And I know it's probably something similar for you, Justin, oh. where we draw a lot of inspiration from our yeah. heroes. Yeah, totally. That's exactly what it is. Um, I remember with um, one of the films I did with Brian and Scott, I think he asked everyone, like, okay, what does everyone want to play next? And I was like, I want to play a cop, even though I had done it probably a thousand times before. But I just can't get enough of it. It was like, you know, like Serpico or something. And he's like, well, good for you because that's what we wanted you to play. So I was like, yes. But uh, no. Funny how that works out that way. It's so. true. It's yeah, true. Nice, yeah. Nice synchronicity. Yes. And so, yeah, and that's kind of what uh, we were talking about. Um, uh, Tristan would call me up and go, what part do you want to play? It's like, oh, man, you know, I don't like Tom Hanks and catch me if you can. He's like, all right. And then next thing you know, there's a part in there and it's like, all right. And then something inspired to that. And so, yeah, that's kind of what we did. And it's always, you know, one of us is like, you know, I've always had this idea to make this thing. And then it's like, well, let's just do it now. So that's good. There's no longer like that waiting around for something to happen. We're just like, well, no one else is going to hand us the ball, so we might as well get the ball and run as fast as we can, and that's the whole idea. And, uh, yeah, it's in addition to, like, just wanting to play those roles, we were just trying to get a bunch of stuff together to go on the festival circuit, because you can't get noticed if no one's seeing the work that you're doing. Right. So in addition to all about the dozen shorts that we have, they're all on the festival circuit now, and so we want to show them to other people as well, because you never know, man. Somebody's scrolling through Facebook and, like, hits on it, and you're like, what is that? And then, you know, and we're also using a lot of this material for demo reels, too, because we're, you know, we're to a point now where we're starting to send... We have some like better connections than we've had in the past too, mm-hmm. so it's nice for those people to see a lot of the work that we have. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's always you know what was it? Kevin Smith is always talking about mm-hmm. you know just make something and right. send it out there, you know. And that, I think that's what's great about festivals is you can send it out and hopefully the people see it, and or you can just put it on Facebook and hopefully people will watch it and enjoy it. So yeah, and uh, the demo reels thing that is true too because you know you also want to try to get representation wherever you can, so that always helps. And uh, yeah, it's just. Also, you just do it because you just have to, you right. know. Right. So yeah, if you're, you know, you're there's nothing coming your way anyway. Um, you might as well make it happen for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, we recently uh, worked on a series in Des Moines, and um, that was awesome because it was an opportunity that I had behind of Justin overheard one day that they were looking for somebody <laughs> and passed my name along. But um, you know, those kind of creative outlets don't exist every single day yeah, so you know yeah. once a month we can get together and shoot something yeah. that scratches the itch that we oh, both have yeah absolutely you go th- uh it's definitely an itch you gotta scratch because sometimes you know a month or so will go by and like oh god i haven't done anything in a while tristan let's go you know so yeah so yeah definitely and um i don't know i think i'm trying to think of what was the the last question i apologize or did we answer it I think, you, I think you pretty much answer it um yeah i mean that's one of the you know someone else who also subscribes to the do-it-yourself ethos and i tell people that all the time is so often people are like oh i really want to do this i want to do this and especially in regard to writing books and stuff they're like oh i've got this idea for a book and i'm like then sit down and write it yeah. you know i mean yeah. you're the only one that can write it you're the only one that can tell this story because you're the one who's inside your head and you're seeing what's going on in there and you're the only one who can pass that around i you know someone else is not psychic they're not going to be able to step inside and go, oh, yeah, this is exactly it, and pull it out and then do it for you. So you got to do it yourself. And I think that that's really important. And then when it comes down to it in the end, you got to be happy with it. I mean, it's your life. It's your creative project. You know, if somebody else, if other people don't like it, well, tough shit. I mean, honestly, you know, other pe- people are not going to like so everything, you know, I mean, nothing has 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Nothing has gotten universal acclaim. There are people that hate the Beatles, you know, I mean, there are people that hate the Godfather. I mean, honestly, there are people that hate everything that's considered a, you know, unimpeachable classic. So if there are going to be people out there who are going to be haters on some of the greatest art ever created... Why should you worry yourself with the opinions of other people? You just do the best that you can do and follow your own creative vision so that you're happy with it. And then if other people think that it's great, then fantastic. But at the very least, at the end of the day, you're the one who is using, who is spending that time in your life 
So why not do something that makes you happy? And the nice thing is being creative is free. It doesn't cost anything. It might someday have a payoff, and sometimes it does, but it doesn't cost anything to go out with a camera Mm -hmm. besides time. You know what I mean? And shoot, there's nothing I'd rather be doing than at least, you know, using that creative side. But it's free. That's the thing. Like, it doesn't cost you anything but time. Like, it's amazing that, like, more people don't use it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, I think that's... You know, that's the scary thing. You know, I think everyone is kind of nervous about, oh, God, I hope people like this, you know. And um, so, yeah, I think it's just you can't think about stuff like that. You kind of just have to do what you want to do and um, what, you know, you think, you know, hopefully people are going to like this and get something out of it and just go for it, man. I don't know. I mean, we're still, I mean, trying to make our way up into the business, and I think everyone that we – uh, look up to has kind of said the same thing. It's like just don't think, just do it. You know, sure. just so yeah, yeah. You got to. Yeah, yeah. It's the only way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about a couple of the things you guys are most proud of. A couple of your projects. Um, tell us, you know, the names of them and you know the thinking behind them, the inspiration behind them, and some of the things that you really, really liked about them. Maybe some of the things that you know. And all of us do this. You know, there are things like oh, I wish I would I would have done this differently, or I could have done this a different way. Um, who wants to? start off with yeah i know you're like pointing at each other like you 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 go first okay but you can i mean you could both have like different projects that you guys are working on and and speak to each of them individually as to why you like them and what you know you're hoping to change or you know moving forward sure well you know i'll open up this can of worms because why the hell not um one of the things that i'm most like on go ahead tristan you got the can opener and you you need a good uh, fight um you know i'm i'm like oh jesus what the hell is he gonna say now oh man i don't i'm wondering the same i'm pins and needles let's just say for the record this is tristan tapscott's opinion and the opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect those opinions of your humble host it's nothing it's nothing bad um you know one of the things that kind of early on one of the things you and i worked on Mm -hmm. uh 10 years ago was a multimedia uh, live stage version of a script you wrote called your favorite band which we workshopped and created together in Mm -hmm. 2004 yeah like over 10 years ago i think that set a lot of groundwork for um the way shows are produced in the quad cities Mm -hmm. and the way they're marketed um and just a style that now exists because of that production. Prior to that show, anybody can argue with me all they want, that did not exist. No. And the style did not exist. And I'm not trying to pat our own selves on the back here, but that was a, that, that was like kind of a new foundation was laid for how the in, shows were going to be produced and marketed to this day. That's still a whether or not anybody wants to admit it or not was still kind of like shoot if you look, if you trace everything back it can be traced back to that right and that's something I'm still supremely proud of in addition to my nine years running the district theater which is you know because you those those have good memories attached to them both your favorite band and the theater that you can't take away and and stuff that you know whether some people want to deny that they ever happened or not. They still have extremely good times attached to them, and we did some amazing work between, you know, and I'm real proud of all the stuff that that we've been able to do. In regards to film stuff, um, Justin wrote a script called The Investigation that um, him and I didn't produce together. I was involved in a lot of that. I don't even know what my official title is on that. I I think it's just a cast member, but I did a lot with him on that. But that is something that it was so amazing to see what is possible in the Quad Cities because he took, you know, a couple thousand dollars. And when you see this thing, you're like, oh, my God, this looks and feels like a real film, like everything they did. And again, that is a nice benchmark for excellence, too. And everything since then has had this really awesome feel to it. It was like that's when we all kind of came into our own as creative individuals. Like, that was a moment where it was like, holy shit, what's possible? So everything since then has had this, like, extremely high quality to it. So I give props to Justin for coming up with that. Um, And, you know, everything leads to one thing. So, I, you know, I go back to your favorite band again. Like, if that thing was not possible and didn't happen then the rest of it wouldn't have happened so it's actually kind of awesome to see what's going on but so 
what we work on together, I think the investigation is the, the thing that I look back on. I'm like, man, we've done some awesome. And some of our shorts have been really fantastic since then as well. Mm-hmm. Like we worked on one called Silence that's really, really oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that, so, so with that segue, Justin. Fine. Well, Scott and Brian were involved in your favorite band, too. They shot all the film sequences. Blue Box did. Yeah, so it all comes, you know. That was just such a unique experience to this day. No one's tried to replicate it because it's too damn hard. Well, yeah, I mean, (laughs) the the incorporation of video in actual scenes, segueing to live scenes, and the the breaking of all walls in regard to the stage where there were scenes going on throughout the theater and everything in different spots. Well, I think, you know, Brian and Scott and what we were doing back then – kind of paved the way for a lot of that because it said well fuck it there's no rules there are, no there yeah. were no rules that production at all let's we say kind of did we yeah you know and that's what the investigation also did is it kind of said well there's no reason we can't do something like that here mm-hmm. fuck it and let's go or screw it i don't know what can you say on this podcast and say whatever the hell you want to it's you know and, <laughs> so justin do you want to talk a little bit about the investigation that's why it's qc uncut tristan oh, wow. qc cut is the one where you can only say gosh and golly gee willikers oh, sounds yeah. good uh-huh. all right perfect so yeah i would say the investigation okay. is, is one thing that i'm extremely proud of to be a part of he definitely should be because he's outstanding in that. And I, I do have to say I've seen a lot of the shows. Like I saw your favorite band and I saw the shows that you did in uh, your theater and they were all great. I was blown away by all of them. He got to play uh, Caffey in uh, Few Good Men, which we are huge fans of that movie. Uh-huh. So when he got to do it, I was like, yes, he got to finally do it. So right. that was cool. Again, um, it's a Tom Cruise thing. Again, it's Cruise. Back, back to Tom Cruise. <laughs> Don't be ashamed. He's a genius. <laughs> he is. Um, but no, I would say there's a couple. Um, the Investigation is definitely one that I've been... I did it a long time. Like That was probably one of the first films that I did. Um, and uh, it, I was out in L.A. actually for a few months during pilot season. And the first couple months were okay. And then the last month was like, oh my god, nothing's happening. I got to come back home to my family, and then I was like, I got to come. I got to do something when I get back. I want to act. I want to make something. So wrote this script, and I called Tristan and Kurt, and you know my friend Jeff and everyone, and said, hey, want to make this movie? And because of uh, Indiegogo, we were able to raise some money for it. God bless everyone that sent it to us because we were able to do so much with that. And um, I still want to make the feature to it. We got to make the short version. And because of that, we're going to use that as a like a proof of concept mm-hmm. to try to show people, be like, hey, this is what we want to do. We want to make the feature film version. So Put it up on quadsays.com. Oh, that's, that's, that's what we're going to do. We're going to do, we're going to do stuff like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but, uh, no, I'm very – I love that. And there's a movie that Brian and Scott did called Bride Were Blood. Sure, yeah. And uh, it was a contemporary yeah, Western. Good. I loved – that movie I loved playing that when they gave me the script and told me that this was the part they wanted me to play I was like oh my god this is awesome this is like a Gene Hackman villain that I've always wanted to play so I'm really happy with that there's a lot there's so much but I would say those are definitely a couple uh, that I'm proud I'm proud of all of it oh, of course it's very difficult though at times to go back and watch because you're so picky on yourself sure. and you're like yeah. well Tristan was great but I don't know man maybe I should go back and reshoot some but no it was uh, I, I'm really happy with everything and it just makes you want to do more mm-hmm. you know so uh, yeah I don't know I've I'm trying to think what else. The shorts we've done in the past couple of months have just been great because I, I don't know how Tristan's uh, method is, but um, it's always fun to have like a month to prepare for the part and you're, you know, just soaking up all the stuff mm-hmm. and preparing. And then when you go do it, you know, you make this five minute short and then you're done and you're like, oh man, you know, I want to just get warmed up there with that character. So uh, we've gotten to this thing where we like, we'll either like, We'll gain weight or we'll drop weight for stuff <laughs> because we're trying to like be like we want to look different and yeah. there's nobody paying us to do this. Yeah. But I there's a short where both of us wore suits that were too small, uh-huh. so we looked bigger than we are, and it's awesome. <laughs> and like it's cool to like explore that 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 side of stuff, yeah. you know. Like there was one the suit I was wearing was too small, the shirt was like two sizes too small, so mm-hmm. it looked like and I put baby oil all over myself and made me look <laughs> like it was. I mean. <laughs> It was a, it's a special, special kind of look, but Uh it's also like kind of freeing to be like, fuck it, let's just embrace this character actor thing that I have going on. But it's, it's, it's awesome to be able to like, um, to express yourself in that way. Like we're, 
you know, there's there's no rules again yeah. because right now there are no rules. When we get on other sets that we're not running, there's rules. Oh, nice. So it's nice to not have yeah, any yeah. And, and really be free to create something that you never know who could see it. You know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So how do you guys prepare for for roles? Um, I know. You know, as someone who kind of dabbles in acting myself and certainly, like, ends up playing, like, mostly myself. Um, but I know. Thank you so much, Justin. Um, but, uh, you know, it always uh, fascinates me to see how actors prepare for different things. And some are so immersed in the role that they have. And others, it's just, like, a switch on and off. You know, they're in, they're in you know, character. And then, okay, cut. You know, as a director, it's always interesting to me to see, like, when I'm, when I, you know, call cut, to see how the actors either segue out of the character or it takes them a little while, you know, to get in and out. Um, How do you guys prepare for particular roles? What are some of the most challenging roles you've played? And have you ever found it difficult to leave a character behind once the, you know, film has stopped rolling or the show is over? Um, man, I, 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 when I, I remember when I first wanted, when I announced, I guess, to my parents, I wanted to be an actor, they weren't surprised. They were like, well, yeah, of course, you know, I started watching, you know, you watch all these movies and then you watch your favorite and then you watch, there was a show called Inside the Actor's Studio. And I would always love watching here and everyone's different method. And I guess for me, it's always, you know, and I'm no freaking, you know, I'm not, a movie star by any means so you know don't listen to what i have to say in terms of <laughs> method um but no i guess it's you know research is always important finding out what your character is what they do for a living has always been big for me um and yeah depending on what it is it's like if it feels right that this guy would be a little heavy you know put on weight i remember we did this movie called overdose where i played a rock star if you can believe that. And um, I remember that was the first time I was like, I really need to lose weight and really get to be that type of look. And that was a long process. And I was really happy with it and everyone's work on it. So, yeah. And and then, you know, it's funny because it depends because sometimes you go on set. I remember Jack Lemmon was like, you're the character, action, and then cut. You know, you can joke around with everyone but then there are times where you can't help it where you know you're so into the part to where you take it home with you so it really depends but i think every method is great whether you're daniel day lewis and you're in character constantly which is great or you're you know hanks who could probably bs with the cast and crew and then once it's time to get going like okay guys i gotta get into it then you do it so i don't know yeah find that it just depends on the project uh-huh. because there's been instances like like the investigation going back to that i was living that dude like that i was in that to win it and like that's just kind of was my mindset and my general demeanor the entire time we were shooting that which was kind of unfortunate for a lot of people around me but like um, <laughs> <laughs> but um but also that was a very interesting time in my life but i find like some are especially on film I can kind of slip in and slip out of it because it's such a yeah. the medium itself is such a start and stop yeah. thing. Yeah. You know, right. it's you, there's no through line, yeah. right. and sometimes that's hard for me to like stay in. Yeah. But in a theater piece where you're going from the beginning of a journey to the end of a journey each night, mm-hmm. that's more of a challenge for me because that 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 really fucks with your psyche a little oh, bit more yeah. because you're that person for two hours. Um, but that's something I've always enjoyed is I like how different the mediums are and how different you can feel. You know, I've done film stuff where it's been I'm that guy from the time I show up to the time I leave, even when I'm at home. Yeah. And then I've done film stuff where it's like when I get there, I'm, I turn it on and then I turn it off. Yeah. And because some people are just kind of crazy, you don't want to live in them too long. Yeah. But, you know, I've always loved playing pretend like that's oh, the yeah. thing. Like I used to. Like when I saw the movie Backdraft, I pretended I was a fireman for like yeah, three or four yeah. years until my parents were like, you know, they're just actors. They yeah. can just do whatever you want. I was like, Shadow is an actor? And then, yeah. you know, um, so yeah, it's all about pretend, but it just depends on the project, how far you dive in yeah. and stay there. And you know, what I've always appreciated is, you know, you mentioned Shadow, De Niro, and that. And then, like, you look at Pacino, mm-hmm. you know, and guys like that where. You watch them and you just believe that they're a cop or a lawyer. Right. Like they've, you know, you believe that they've hung out with the real deal and soaked up what that's really like. So people are like, yeah, that's how it is, you know. So that's always really cool to do and find out stuff, you know. So yeah. 
How was that? Yeah, sorry. Sure. Um, having worked with both of you guys before, and, and especially Tristan, I mean, you and I have directed and produced a lot of shows together. And, you know, you have to wear a lot of different hats. I mean, like, you know, when we were doing sketch shows and stuff like that, we all, we both and some of the other people in the cast, we were both producers, we were both directors, we were both actors in it and stuff like that. And you're doing the same thing here with these films. Um, how difficult or easy is it for you to switch hats and to see things? And how do you think about things differently? I mean, as I mentioned, I'm you know more of a director and producer and writer than I am an actor, certainly. And so I tend to think of things more as a writer or as a producer or as a director. And this is how I'm seeing things. And so I tend to think of the other actors as being the real actors. And I'm just a guy who comes in and plays myself. It's like Tarantino every once in a while. But you guys are like legit actors in addition to being directors and the producers and as you as we all know that's very different mindsets you think differently as a producer than you do as a director as you do as an actor how do you separate those things and how do they kind of seep in and either complement or conflict with the different elements of those personas. You know, it's interesting. I, I tend to learn more from my failures than I learn from like successes. So something I've learned about myself in the last couple of years is there are things that I'm real good at and the things that I'm okay at. And there's some things. And so it's a matter of kind of relegating on the day almost when we're shooting stuff because and it's kind of fallen into this pattern and we didn't mean for it where i ended up writing and and justin ends up directing which is a cool cool thing and a lot of the some of the shirts not all some of them he's written as well but on some of the ones that i I look at and i'm like you know i think the reason that worked is because neither one of us were too bogged down with everything i had two hats he had two hats and then we have this amazing guy named joe mckinney that ends up wearing a few hats as well and is better than all of us um Hmm. but um or it's vice versa it's it's one of those things like not none of us wear too many hats to the the, to the point where we cannot function Mm -hmm. and i think you know something i've learned about myself is i i can only wear so many hats and i've always had to do that but if you wear too many you end up falling down the hill Uh um and so it's kind of it, we don't mean for it to it's not like we go into it being like well you're going to do this and you're going to do this we just kind of fall into these yeah. these mm-hmm. these roles and it really makes for like a really low stress kind of uh, um, experience mm-hmm. I, I, he said it all I think it's um, it's surrounding yourself with the the right people you know like uh, our friend joe who's is a freaking genius he you know you just you know when we're directing something you know we, i just like i it's so weird because i don't i don't i think i only direct i don't think i could ever just direct a movie mm-hmm. i think there's too many other great directors that are out there that do that i just i think i do it because there's a character i want to play a story i want to do and actors i really want to work with and you know, again, hopefully people like it. But it, when you surround yourself with the right people, like you trust your cinematographer and your fellow actors, you know, it's kind of easy because they take a lot of the stress off, you know. Um, so when you have to get everyone together and say, okay, here's what we're doing, this, doing it, and then you got to jump in the scene as the actor, it just makes it easier when you just trust people and you don't really even have to, they can read your mind almost. Like Joe, is, we've worked together so many times, he just knows the shot I want and Tristan, you know, gets what we're going going for and you just do it so yeah but uh yeah um i don't know it's 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 a good question it can be stressful but it's it's worth it i think the key is just working with the right people like you said like if you surround yourself with the right people then the it's it's easy it's when you have one or two people that are not on the same page or even in the same book that things get a little difficult yeah I mean, and, and the reason why I prefaced that in regard to the fact that, you know, having been in both of your shoes and the fact that I am more of a writer, director, producer is because as a writer, director, producer, I'm me. I'm Sean Leary. You know, I'm not playing like a different role. And then, but if you're, you know, more of a, you know, legit actor as the two of you are, you're playing a different part and a different character completely. 
And then, unlike me, who comes on the set, you know, and plays a version of myself and then goes back to being myself in the other roles, you're playing a totally different character, which may not have the capabilities to be a a director and a producer or a writer, you know? And then you've got to jump out of that character and go back into the role of being the writer director or producer yeah. is there is that a difficulty at all when you're coming out of a part and coming out of a character who may not have the capabilities or may have the capabilities but not do them in the way that you would do them yourself well it, it became kind of second nature when i was working with the theater because i was one person on stage with the cast but then the minute rehearsal would end or the show would end, I'm the guy that has to glad hand with the audience as the face of the theater. So that's another role. So I guess it's just I'm schizophrenic. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it became kind of it's it's so second nature to me now that I, I don't know if I could because there's there's times where we're working on the shorts where you know Joe will yell cut or Justin will, and then you just kind of come out of it and you figure out okay, well, what do you need to do next? And then you get back into it, and it doesn't even. I don't even know if the thought process is there anymore. I think yeah. it's just something I've always been able to do. Yeah. I don't know. Like, um, you're talking about, you know, juggling all these different hats yeah. and how, yeah, yeah it's funny, um, you know, how, <clears throat> I don't know. I guess it's if you know, if you've done your homework before, and this is just me, this is, you know, I'm sure everyone else is like, ah, that's, you know, not the way to do it. But, you know, you do the, the homework of your character first and know what's going on so that when you arrive on set or like you know when Tristan did his shows he would know the part and then you know so that way when he could come in and come out of it he could be the producer when he had to be and this and that but yeah it's funny when you know sometimes when we're acting and someone yells cut and you're like oh and then you're like you're still in the zone and sometimes you don't yell cut it's like let's just keep going so yeah I don't know it's it's fun it's a lot of fun you know you can learn a lot from Michael Keaton and multiplicity I think at the end of the day you know um, yeah, it's it's that's a really interesting question. I've never been asked that before. Yeah, yeah. But now that I think about it, I'm like, I don't know if there's really any rhyme or reason or method. I think it's just something yeah. that happens naturally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's in it. It's the more things you do, there's a natural compartmentalization that evolves and that takes place and then that kind of like seeps into your life in your personal life too where you're able to compartmentalize and as an artist you experience a lot of downs i mean let's face it you know none of us is a giant multi-million dollar you know multi-millionaire celebrity and so you know as somebody who pursues a creative life you have a lot of you know ups and downs and financial misturns and you know um and so you have to learn to kind of push through and move on in regard to those things and that compartmentalization that ability to switch like that and to go from this to this is such a valuable commodity in regard to not just surviving in the theater and film but also in life itself and you know do you see that as something that has benefited you in maintaining uh, careers in this field. Yeah, I, again, man, it's such a. I've not thought about that for so long <laughs> because it's just become so part of who I am. But you know, I, I think if everyone were to sit sit back and really think about their lives a little bit, I think they'd all discover that oh, we're different people all the time, even if we're not real. Like, we, we play pretend mm-hmm. even when we're not in a show because you're, you're one person around your 90-year-old grandmother than you are around your college friend. Right. You know what I mean? And that's just, it's just pers- it's like we all have personality disorder. But, um, but yeah, that that's such an interesting thing because I think that's something that everyone does. There's no way that we're the same person for every single person that we, you know, see in any given day you're one person to the clerk at the grocery store you're one person to the ticket taker at the movies Mm -hmm. you know we're all different people we just don't realize that i think Mm -hmm. as artists you're a little more aware of that Uh um so in a way i think artists to a certain extent are probably more realistic right than uh, because they're aware that that happens so they probably try their best and 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 really most artists are they're just kind of hey this is who i am take it or leave it fuck you if you don't like it right you know and um that was a weird tangent but i think you know well no no well the the thing is is I've i've had discussions about this in regard to other things particularly in regard to education and i've argued that that's one of the reasons why i believe that the arts are so integral to education is because you're right we live in a world in which 
we play different personas and we need to compartmentalize. There are times when you need to be serious. There are times when you need to be more lighthearted. There are times when you need to be serious in regard to finances or things, emotional downturns or life downturns, things happen. And you have to be able to adjust and transition. And um, I read somewhere that one of the key traits to successful people is the ability to adapt, the ability to transition and to deal with change because change is the only constant. And the arts teach the ability to change and adapt in such a unique and productive way. And so I think that, you know, that you know ability to take on all these different personas whether it be on stage or off in regard to writing producing directing or even you know within the other creative arts when you're a writer yeah. you're always thinking your 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 head your mindset is in a lot of different characters i know if you're writing a novel you're thinking okay how, what does this character do or what does this character do and how they're going to how are they going to feel in this particular situation or if you're an artist and you're going you know through all the different you know means of creation and, and thinking about how you're going to put something on canvas or on film or whatever. Um, I think that's a really important trait to have and a really important characteristic. And, you know, the earlier kids are um, engaged and encouraged to pursue creative arts, the better it's going to be for them yeah. to learn how to adapt in a, in a proactive and a positive way. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, um, you guys are talking about particular actors, particular performers that you admired. You both both mentioned Tom Cruise. I know you're big fans of Tom Cruise, Al Pacino, De Niro. Um, you know, so who are some of the actors? If you want to talk about any of those three, that's cool. So who are some? Kevin Spacey, another one you mentioned. Oh, yeah. Michael Keaton. Yeah. Um, who are some of the ones that you admire the most? Uh, why is that that you admire them? And how do you see their influence in the way you do things on and off stage? Sure. Well, if you know who I am, you know Johnny Depp is like oh, sure. the yeah. man. Um, yeah. You know him, Tom Cruise, Michael Keaton are, have always been the three. I like Johnny Depp and Michael Keaton before it was cool. Um, <laughs> but uh, I like Johnny Depp ever since I saw Edward Scissorhands yeah. and I've kind of followed him ever since. Um, something that's so cool about him, though, is his, you can't look at his canon and be like, well, he kind of did that when he did that. No, man, his his characters are always so unique and so well thought out and just so quirky and a little bit more real than I think anyone really gives him credit for. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like what he did with his career, basically saying, I'm going to do what I want Mm -hmm. and kind of do this weird thing over here and kind of go against the gatekeepers of Hollywood because he decided, well, I'm not going to let anybody kind of decide what I should be doing. Mm -hmm. And to a certain extent, I think that's kind of how I've lived my, my life but also um, as an artist and as just a human being. But I love that, that mentality that, well, I'm going to do this because you want me to do that. That doesn't interest me. What does interest me is, is being a character actor yeah. in Hollywood, not yeah. that teen heartthrob that you all want me to be. Yeah. And um, so that, that, that's for me, that's, that's the big one. Yeah. Oh God, there's so many, man. Um, I would say, um, okay, I, I, I got it. I think I, I, think I got it. Um, so I would say Pacino and De Niro and Hanks and Russell Crowe and Gene Hackman, Denzel Washington, like all those guys, um, I just love the characters they play. They, the trans, you know, put on weight, take off weight, like live in the world of the character. I love all that. Um, and I just, oh man, they're so damn good. And then there's actors like Ed Harris and Bill Paxton. Mm-hmm. God bless Daniels. him. Jeff, Jeff Daniels, Jeff Bridges. Yeah. I mean, there's so many. Yeah, that's the thing. We'll sit here all day and then we're going to get in the car uh-huh. and I'm going to go, oh my god, I didn't say <laughs> this person. I mentioned Billy Bob Thornton. Billy what was Bob, I thinking? I yeah. Or Clint Eastwood. Like, there's, there's so many. I'm a fan of so many. And, uh, yeah, I would say that. I remember when I wanted to be an actor, um, it was Al Pacino of movies I just watched over and over again. And just, God, I, I love the power he has. I love he can be funny, you know. And then Tom Hanks has always been a guy that can do anything. Mm-hmm. He can. He's the guy next door, and then he can do uh, Road to Perdition, mm-hmm. you know, and you just love him. And, right. um, and I, he's David S. Pumpkins. Pumpkins is great, man. When I first saw that, I was like, this is, please was do that every Halloween, please. But 
yeah. SNL in oh, years. God. Yeah, no, he's he's the man. Um, but no, you 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 watch all these guys and you get inspired. Like you leave the theater going, God, that was great. I want to go do something. You know. So uh, yeah, I don't know. And I think that's what's great about movies and acting is that there's the movies that you can go see and go, man, that's I understand that. That's that's you know they got it. And then there's ones where you just have a great time. You know, you go see Mission Impossible Five, you have a great time. You know, yeah. so yeah. And um, I don't know. I I don't know. What about you, Sean? Do you got guys that you look up to that you love to see on screen? Well, I was I was going to ask you about writers and directors, and I always think of Mark McDonough. I mean, oh, McDonough yeah. is just yeah. such a brilliant writer. I, I love like everything that yeah. that he does. Yeah. Uh, Tarantino, of course, you know, sure. has always been you know a big influence on me. I always loved Tarantino. Yeah. Um, I really like you know we were talking about Judd Apatow before we started filming, and I really liked a lot of the stuff Judd Apatow done, um, and you know just. Some really quirky, odd, you know, guys. People who follow their own vision, I think, are the most interesting. Um, Wes Anderson. Wes Wes Anderson, Anderson, another one. Brilliant. Um, You know, Rushmore. What a fantastic movie. Tenenbaums? Are you kidding me? Uh Real Tenenbaums. Like Gene Hackman in that is one of the best things ever. That movie is so so fucking good. Richard Linkletter, another really great, you know, filmmaker. Um, And, you know, Cameron Crowe. I know we're, you know, both fans of Cameron Crowe. Love Cameron Crowe. Yeah. Almost Famous. Like, Billy Crudup is another one. God, it's another one. But Almost Famous is, like, a life-changing film still to me. So, like, my early 20s were defined by Almost Famous. Famous and Vanilla Sky. Mostly almost famous in the scene, the Golden God scene. That's pretty much my college career right there. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So what about writers and directors? I mean, we mentioned some of the ones that you asked me, and that's the first people I think, first people you guys think of are all actors. The first people I think of are like, are the writers and directors. And, you know, because, yeah, Madonna was the one that, you know, first came to mind in Tarantino. Mm -hmm. Those are two that I just love. Um, Who are some of the writers and directors that you guys really admire in regard to, and, you know, kind of inform the way that you do things? Sure. Uh, You know, Coen Brothers, uh, Tim Burton even, um, his early stuff I think is fascinating, but the Coen Brothers have, for me have always been like, how can they possibly do something drastically different and just as entertaining right. and then they come out with something you're like huh, of yeah. course, you're the same people that did Oh Brother mm-hmm. and No Country for Old Men mm-hmm. and then they do something like Hail Caesar and you're like, how can you keep coming up with brilliant things? Mm-hmm. And so those guys and like uh, Damien Chazelle is like one that's kind of yeah. coming up oh, now yeah. like yeah, Whiplash yeah, I really love La La Land. and La La Land is brilliant Ryan I don't God. care well, I was going to say, Ryan Gosling's yeah. a guy that I think is a really interesting actor and picks yes. out a lot of great He's projects another one, man. If you, if you, yeah. what's the movie with him and Russell Crow, oh, nice guys, nice guys. God, that movie is yes. brilliant. Have yes. you seen the nice yeah. guys? Yeah. And Drive, another. Oh, drive. Drive's good too. Yeah. So yeah, Damon Chazelle's another one that's that, that's always kind of on my radar right now. But the Coen Brothers are huge, and Wes yeah. Anderson. Love Wes Anderson. Yes. <laughs> so. Um. One of the things that I find interesting is to look at the different trends in filmmaking. And some of the films that, you know, I've been watching are a lot of the 70s films where you had these kind of, you know, a guy who I thought of, who I always have been, two guys I thought of, but I've always admired in regard to acting as well as other, you know, hyphenates, uh, Paul Newman and Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, both of these guys, you know, immensely talented uh, creators. I think those guys fall into that category of like who's your favorite actor those two are just like on the list you don't have to say them you know what I mean like they're just on like a permanent list of like Jimmy Stewart you know like James Cagney like they're just on my list permanently yeah that's a good way from looking at it I agree yes like of course Paul Newman's on it and of course McQueen's on there you know Um, you know another guy man it's you look at guys like uh Philip Seymour Hoffman and Heath Ledger yeah, that, right. God, if they were still, you know, ah, the stuff they could be doing. But no, like, there's so many that you're just like, just just assume right. that freaking <laughs> Paul Newman is on, because he is, right. you know. So, yeah, I agree. What's Look at some of the stuff that they did, and how Newman and Robert Redford oh, both yeah. played these kind of, particularly Newman, yeah. he always played these great multi-dimensional characters that were these anti-heroes, and you had this guy who was 
he had the standard movie star good looks, mm-hmm. and you know, um, he could have been playing these leading roles where he was this you know upstanding citizen all the time and everything. And he always had this added dimension. He was always you know kind of down on his luck. You look at a guy like you know he played in Slap Shot, yeah. you know, and he Newman always had that or the Sting. I mean, you he always had this color great money, yeah, yeah the color of money. He always had this great capability to play a nuanced character that was down in his luck and had, you know, kind of nicks and cuts to him, but he still was, you know, you could root for him. And I think that people could identify with that because nobody's perfect. You know, everybody has their own nicks and cuts. And, you know, it's funny you mention that because Paul Newman always said that he felt like a character actor trapped in a leading man's body. And I think that's why he did stuff like that where, like, you know, it's Paul Newman. He's this movie star, but then he could be the guy that's down on his luck that everyone could relate to. So, yeah, that's that's good good one. Well, one of the, re- the reasons why I bring that up is I think that, you know, one of the trends I see coming back, and I could be wrong because God knows I have been before, but nevertheless, you know, um, is I look at the zeitgeist of the 1970s, early 1970s, and you have a similar feel to society right now as you did maybe in the early 70s. And you see films. I watched the original Bad News Bears, oh, yeah. which is such a better movie than people ever give it credit for. I mean, it's just a brilliant film, and it's a brilliant social commentary as well. And when you watch that movie, it seems so fresh and so contemporary today. And I think that we're getting into an era where we're going to see movies that are more like that, where you have movies that are a little dirtied up a bit, and they're social satires, but they're done in such a way that it's subtle, and it's beautifully and brilliantly written and executed. Executed. Mm-hmm. Do you see that that you know could be something that's coming back? And how do you you know see that that would work? Or, or, and, and looking at those films, how do you feel about some of those films of the seventies that had that kind of you know through a glass darkly look to them? I love the films of the seventies. Like um, oh god, like those are a lot of my favorite movies, like Dog Day Afternoon, Serpico, mm-hmm. and all the the Godfathers. Um, and I think yeah, I think that definitely is coming back in t- a couple of ways. I think that people want that, and they want it in the movies, you know, and I think it's usually around September, October, when, like, those kind of movies come out, and they're doing good. That's the thing, like, you know, Baby Driver that just came out, yeah, that's yeah. kind of a new original-type movie, and it did really good, and I think audiences are craving that, and they're also doing it on TV. I think that there's, like, you know, these shows that may not even be shows, they can be mini miniseries, like, there's a show called The Night Of mm-hmm. that came out with John Turturro, and... Um, um, that was like I think it was eight, ten episodes, and that's it. They're not going to do another one. And it was that could have been a movie in the seventies, right. but maybe it was a little difficult for them to do it as a film. You know, I'm not saying that particular project, mm-hmm. but tr- projects like that. And then they go to HBO and they're like, "We'll do it." And so I think it's movies and TV are doing that. But I think that it's definitely going to come back in movies pretty quick here. So yeah, I think it's going to have to die out like the dinosaurs, though, before it can be reinvented. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like because everything is going to uh, Netflix or, you know, to be a miniseries. Like, um, one of the best shows on uh, television last year was Big Little Lies with Reese Witherspoon and Nicole Kidman. Mm-hmm. They wanted that to be a film, mm-hmm. but nobody would buy it. Right. And finally, the network said, hey, we'll actually take it as a miniseries if you guys just want to do it that way. Yeah. And now it's coming back again. for. Yeah. But the, the original intent was for that to be a film. But Reese Witherspoon and Nicole Kidman could not get it financed. Mm-hmm. So I think what's going to have to happen is these studios are going to keep making these sequels and Marvel movies, these big blockbuster films, and people are going to gra- you know, kind of gravitate towards uh, television and a lot of those platforms, and then they're going to discover, oh, shit, we need to get our market back. Yeah. And I think they'll take it back. Yeah. It'll be kind of a slow process, but I think it's almost going to have, like, the movie industry is going to have to be like, uh, we're on the way out, <laughs> and then they're going to reel everything back in. That's kind of what it looks like to me. But do you think that's going to happen? Uh, sorry, Dan. No, but do you think that's going to happen? Now, see the way I see things, and, and this is true to my own life too. Is there are certain movies that I will see, I will have to make it a point to see on the big screen, and those are the spectacle films because on a huge screen, you want to see those superhero movies because they're more. 
you know, magnificent on a much larger platform. Whereas character-driven shows, you can watch on your TV and still get the same sort of effect. Do you see that that's... I think you have to go to the movie theater to see something like that, no matter what. I think there's... There's nothing like an experience in a movie theater, no matter how big or small the film is. But I do think that there's nothing to say that big, you know, explosion superhero movies can't, won't still be around. They'll always be around. But I think studios will start taking more chances because they'll see that, well, shoot, the numbers on the the ratings on this are huge. Well, there's no reason why we can't put that back in theaters. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a, there's a nostalgia to going to a movie theater which is such a weird thing to say, but I think there is that, and I think people will want to oh, not yeah. just see because there's so many distractions at home. There's a child crying. There's your phone. There's, but when you go into a movie theater, you're transported, transported into this like alternate reality that you and you can't buy that kind of experience, no matter like how big your fucking television is. Mm-hmm. Justin, what are your thoughts? Unless you're in the movie theater and the phone is going off and a child's crying in the theater. <laughs> and those people are terrifying and they need to go away. <laughs> it's fun. No, no. It's it's crazy. I mean, I don't know how I'm going to follow that because everything he said made, is just how it is. And I think that people, they want Batman. I want to go see Batman, you know? And I mean, and no, no, no. And, and that's the thing. I think that there's always going to be those movies and they're always going to do good. I think that people kind of want... I think, and you're seeing it too. You're seeing these movies that are original ideas, um, or taken from a book, you know. And it's like there's this movie coming out uh, called Stronger with Jake Gyllenhaal, and you just know people are going to want to go see that because a he's a great actor and makes great movies, and b it's a story that, you know, I, I think I think people once they start thinking, and I'm sure they all do. I mean, these guys that make movies, they're not scumbags, you know. They they obviously know what they're doing, but once they figure out we can make anything as long as it's a good story right. with a good cast. People and a great director, of course, got to be you know the filmmaker. People are just going to go see it. End of discussion. You know they want to see a good movie, no matter if it's uh, something small or something big. So I, you know, you got to have you know faith in everyone. So I don't know. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Well, it all comes down to tell me a story. Yeah. You know, tell me a good story. Everything comes down to the writing. It yes. comes to, is it a good story or entertain me? Yeah. You know, regardless of how much money is spent or how little yeah. money is spent, it all comes down to just telling me a good story. Yeah. So, um, we'll wrap things up. What are some final thoughts? Tell us about projects you got coming up, um, things that you guys are wanting to do coming up in the future. Anything that we haven't touched upon that you guys want to add? Go ahead. We're, you know, we've always got a bunch of stuff, like, ready to go. Um, I'm finishing up a script this afternoon that we'll probably shoot in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. And we've got about three or four other scripts yeah. kind of that <laughs> we just have waiting for a, a time slot to do. Yeah. And that's the cool thing. Like, we have about a dozen shorts out there right now that are, you know, we've done. They're in the can that's done. Yeah. And we have a bunch more. So it's it's really awesome to know. If Hollywood's not calling us, we'll definitely be banging on their door trying to get something happening. Until they're and, like, what do you want? Yeah. Okay. You know, so, yeah. It's the idea, you know, to bother somebody enough yeah. being like, fine, let's just give these guys a shot. Yeah. So they'll shut up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you have to kind of put your stuff out there in order to even get that to even happen. You know, if you, if you guard it super close, waiting for the right time or the right person to see it. That's never going to happen. So it's really up to you to be like, okay, fuck it. Show business. I'm right here. Right. I'm doing some stuff. Stop focusing on that bullshit. I'm right here, ready to go. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's just what it is. I mean, at some point, um, and I think, I don't know, Tristan, uh, you know, when I'm done, you know, you, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Um, I, it is kind of important to go out to Los Angeles at some point because that's where everything happens and mm-hmm. you, you have to unless you know by some miracle our stuff is seen out here and then you know you get the phone call which we all dream of but no I think it's pursuing the dream out there and um, just keep doing it and uh I don't know. That's just kind of um, how I think. And I, I, I must say I've been very, very fortunate to uh, be able to work with talented people and become great friends. And I've always cherished uh, Tristan's relationship. I learned so much just by watching him. And it's really – I thank God we're still making stuff. And, uh, of course, it's always great to see you, Sean. Great to see you as well. Thank you for asking us. And, and, and yeah, um, what are your thoughts on the old L.A. trip? I don't know. Well, you know, I'm 33. 
Justin's 33. We actually were only born 24 hours apart, which is, which is, (laughs) which is great. Um, but you know, I used to feel like, man, I'm, I'm not there yet. Like, what am I doing? But then I hear stories, you know, from Jeff Daniels and Nick Offerman, who, you know, really wasn't until their late thirties where they found some modicum of success. And I do think that the world is changing enough and I do think LA is obviously a very important place to be, but the world is changing in such a way that I don't think it's necessary because mm-hmm. it's already changing in, a, in the theatrical world. That it's not necessary for you to be in one of those hubs. Just because you're in one of those hubs does not mean you're automatically going to get success mm-hmm. because of that. There's talent everywhere. It's a matter of getting that stuff into the right hands because at the end of the day, we could both be in LA right now and be doing the exact same thing that we're doing. Um, it would cost us a lot more. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, it's just a matter of luck, man. Just the right yeah. person has to see it. So at the end of the day, it's just dumb luck and being in the right place at the right time. So while I do think at, at some point I know I'm going to spend a couple months out there, like we've talked about during pilot season and stuff mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. I'm confident that great, great content will get you places faster than putting out a bunch of mediocre content and being and waving it all around you know that's my whole thing Mm -hmm. is that we have to have great content before we can start waving that that victory flag you know um but yeah anything is possible right and of course we will be and we are featuring your content here on quadcities.com the number of your short films and um you know people can enjoy that here on the website go and check out justin and tristan's work here on quadcities.com some of the great short films that you guys have done you can see them here for free as many as you want so that is always awesome and um thank you very much any final thoughts before we before we close up shop here thank you thank you for doing this and helping us out we appreciate it absolutely Thank you. No, yeah, thank you very much for doing this. We appreciate it. And thank you guys for being guests. It's been my honor and privilege to talk to you guys. And it's been my honor and privilege to entertain you, the listener, here listening to QC Uncut. This is Sean Leary, your host for QC Uncut, Uncut, Uncensored, live conversation with area newsmakers, entertainers, and interesting people. Please continue to tune in and check out quadcities.com, your source for fun-free local entertainment. Thanks once again for tuning in, and have a great day.